are listening to an Awkward Human podcast. For more information on this podcast or all of our shows, visit awkwardhuman.com slash shows. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of Interview with the Nerd. I am your host, Richard Cardenas. This is episode number 25. Okay, wow. So it's been about half a year since I started this podcast, I think. Maybe a little bit longer. I don't remember when it came out. But anyway, we're on episode 25 now, and I am a little bit surprised at myself for being able to keep it up that long on my own. (laughs) Um, I am drinking wine tonight while I record because I am recording the day before my birthday, and I figured, you know what? I'm not going into work for the rest of the week uh, because um, I'm celebrating me, uh, all things me. <laughs> and why not uh, have have a, have a nice full glass of wine whilst I record this episode for you? At least the introduction. This episode was already um, recorded. But if I sound a little tipsy, uh, it's because of that. It's because of this beautiful red wine that I'm drinking. Um, I don't know what it is. I literally just grabbed a, 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 a bottle of wine off the rack and I started pouring myself some wine. It wasn't a Merlot. I know it's not a Merlot because I looked at the Merlot and I said, I don't want Merlot, but I grabbed a different wine. And I don't know what it is. Um, it's from Italy, <laughs> apparently. At least that's what that's what the bottle said. It said Italy on it, maybe, or maybe I'm... I just imagined it said Italy. Anyway, that's not the point of this show. Um, let's uh, let's talk about stuff. Um, I'm doing good. Uh, I I am working on uh, some new projects. I'm not done really with the the cocktail movie recap project that I started last year and didn't really like finish. I still need to edit a lot of videos for that, um, which I will be doing. Another episode is going to come out this month, or at least um, in March, I think is when um you guys might hear this but uh uh, yeah so there will be another episode and it's with one of the one of the past guests that we've had on this show so if you're interested in that and if you don't know what that is cocktail movie recap it's the uh web series that i do uh you can find it on youtube um where i get my friends really drunk and then they recap one of their favorite movies. And so far, we've had John Bring on and Lindsay Bring. They were on the episode talking about uh, Penguins versus Possums. They're the the writers on that. Uh, also, John Bring has been on a few times uh, to to review some Marvel films with us. And uh, there's also me on the very first episode. I do Never Been Kissed. John does Batman from 1989, the Tim Burton version. And then Lindsay... Uh, does Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, and I do think that they are delightful. Um, and also at the top of each episode, we have a mixologist, Will, who uh, creates a, a a special cocktail themed around the movie that we are recapping. Uh, so that's really fun. He gives you the ingredients, and then there's like another separate video that's kind of like a step-by-step how to make this drink uh video and i think that's really cool so if that interests you at all go check that out it's called cocktail movie recap um yeah so anyway but let's get into the 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 comic book recap now uh which okay uh i'm not gonna talk about why i read this until the end uh i may have even mentioned it in past episodes but um, this week's recap is called Van Helsing and the Mummy of Amun-Ra. 
or sorry, versus the Mummy of Amun-Ra. Um, this is a Xenoscope publication, and uh, yeah, so <laughs> let's just get into it. Um, the story is by Pat Shand and Joe Brusha, written by Pat Shand. Art is by Mark Rosette, colors by Walter Pereira. Pereira? I don't know how to pronounce that last name. <laughs> Flashback uh, art is by Roberta Ingranata. And then flashback colors are by Fran Camboa with JC Ruiz. So there are a lot of people working on this uh, book. Uh, I believe, I don't actually know if this trade, it's on a trade. I don't know if this trade is part of an uh, like bigger story. I think it's, it is actually part of a bigger story, uh, bigger series. But I don't know if it's like in the middle or if it's like a separate story or if it's kind of like... Um, uh, Hellboy where there's just like different stories that are put out uh and I could be wrong about that one too I don't know if there's like a continuous uh arc or a continuous continuity continuity that's going on with that series anyway this is the first issue for that book so we open up with two guards in what looks like a museum they are just kind of chatting and making jabs at each other and in the background you can see these like ninja type people sneaking around outside eventually these ninja things make their way inside the museum and they take out both guards they knock out one of them with some gas and then the other one they put a bullet right in his head uh, then we get to see them in the light and they look like pharaohs like they've got the head dress on and stuff but they're all white um so that's interesting uh on the next page we see like a cleopatra looking woman and she's drinking some blood from a bowl um, we see that there's another woman lying naked, like on a on a on a slab of something, and she's she's lying naked with her throat slashed. And the Cleopatra woman tells her servants, like incinerate the body, but also save the ashes because I'm gonna wear them at night uh, as a mask. And gross, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So we are to assume this dead woman is uh was the blood or the blood provider for uh this cleopatra looking woman um anyway they give her a scepter her servants give her a scepter and she seems like really pleased about it and it sounds like i don't know just from the dialogue that uh, occurs here it sounds like someone's soul is in the scepter i don't know i could be wrong uh maybe we'll discover that later <laughs> we then cut to a woman who's just like kicking some demon ass this is our protagonist her name is Lysel van helsing so the cops show up and they are like, hey, the commissioner wants to meet with you at her office. So Lysel's like, cool. And she heads out. We learn through some narration that two years ago, the police station was overrun with an ancient cabal of monsters and immortals who were like sacrificing teenagers. So uh, we meet the commissioner. Her name is Julia Gingrich. And we see that she's in a wheelchair it doesn't seem to be like important or anything like that. I think it's just something that happened. And I'm sure probably in the past with this series, it was like explained why she's in a wheelchair. Maybe like during the series, something happened to her to uh, cause her to have to be in a wheelchair. I don't know, but um, they don't seem to point it out or talk about it or, or explain it or anything, but they did have like a sort of reveal <laughs> Uh picture wise or art wise so i don't know but anyway they begin to chit chat a bit gingrich wants to pay van helsing for killing demons but lysel is like no i'm good 
Um, then she sees some photos of that one woman that we saw that had her throat slit. Um, yeah, so Lysol tries to probe, but Gingrich doesn't want her involved because she doesn't think that it's supernatural, just a part of some like murdering spree that someone's going on. Like they've been apparently finding people who are either like shot or stabbed or, you know, they're just murdered. And for whatever reason, even though it's different types of ways of murdering, uh, they think it's all connected to the same person or group. Anyway, they get interrupted by a cop saying that there is this hostage situation going on at a gala event. Uh, do you say gala event or just gala? Because a gala is an event, right? So you wouldn't really say gala event, right? <laughs> I don't know. There's a situation at a gala. Um, Liza wants to like basically volunteer to go out there and Gingrich again is like, no girl, <laughs> this probably isn't supernatural don't like butt in on this one so Liza's like okay fine I won't go and then she leaves the lot the office um and of course she's lying so she ends up heading to the hostage situation the gala I you can you hear the the wine already seeping through my veins um so we see that there are a few masked guys with guns and you know Miss Cleopatra is there uh, too, but she's kind of like hanging out with the hostages, like in the group of hostages, and she's just like smirking around and stuff. Um, the masked guys call out for a guy named Sheldon Walsh, and when he steps out, they like clock him on the head, and then they call another guy. Uh, they're like, "Cool, we got you," but we actually need two guys, and uh, we want the other one to be Senator Senator uh, Roger Matthews. And he's like kneeling behind some women and this other guy and they all like just push him forward and he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so um, before anything can happen, Lysol Van Helsing comes crashing in, guns a-blazing, and Cleopatra sees her and is like, I know her. And she grabs the senator and we go into a flashback. So in this flashback, it's 1845 and we see Lysol with uh two uh is it lysol or lysol i don't know i i think i prefer lysol so anyway we see lysol with two other women and another man and she's okay i don't understand it's 1845 but this is the way she's dressed she's in a corset um a very revealing corset and also like low-rise booty shorts and fishnet stockings uh don't know where you came from, Miss Lysol Van Helsing, but I don't think that's appropriate garb uh, for the 1845s, you know, uh, or, or you know what? That's wrong of me. I need to support women and not, you know, uh, talk shit about what she's wearing, but I don't think it's appropriate for the time. Um, so in this book, uh, I, 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 it's I. I have always thought that these books that I've seen around are like for little horny boys. <laughs> so that's what this is, I guess, is why she's dressed that way. Uh, anyway, they're in Egypt because her father was investigating the disappearance of his friend. And um, uh, the, the friend or sorry, the father ended up dying before he could finish this investigation. So Lysol is like, I'm going to continue it. Um, let's go. And she takes her group down into this uh, this uh, pyramid, I guess. I don't know. And they run into a mummy there. And uh, then we flash forward to the present. And Cleopatra's like, all she says is come to the senator. And he and he calls her God Queen, um, which she was kind of called a little earlier as well. But 
I don't know. They haven't given a name to her. They just call her God Queen. So apparently they know each other. I don't know. He says that since Lysol is distracted, that they should probably try to kill her. And the God Queen is like, honey, buddy, honey, buddy, I don't think so. We need to stick to the plan. Also, this is a revenge. This is a revenge I want to cherish. And she swishes her hips out of that joint. And that's how the comic issue number one ends. Um, Boy, I didn't have very much wine, but it sounds like I had a ton. <laughs> so anyway, that's the end of the book or the the issue, the first issue. And um, here are my thoughts. Uh, I don't know. I have to pay attention to uh, to other art in comics because um, in this book, it, I feel like the artist drew all of the women looking exactly the same. And then the colorist kind of went with it as well. Uh, because all of them have like the same skin tone. They all have the same hair color. Like sure. It's kind of in different, uh, in different styles, but it's still straight hair. Uh, and, but just like different lengths. <laughs> and, and, um, the only difference really is that they have different eye colors, but like they all look exactly the same and you can't really tell them apart, uh, unless by their clothes <laughs> so it's just so weird that that that's the case for this and I don't know if that's like intentional or maybe I'm looking too much into it but it just looked like they all looked exactly the same and I was a little disappointed with that because I was like come on all the men look different why can't the women look different maybe it's a it's a plot thing maybe maybe the the commissioner and and van helsing are twins or something or or maybe cleopatra that's not even her name i don't know what her name is but miss god queen maybe she's like another descent maybe they're just all related to each other and that's why they look alike i don't know i am only two issues in and i haven't read anything like that but whatever <laughs> so what do I think about this book? Normally, okay, so at the top I said I'd explain why I was reading this. Normally, I wouldn't read a book like this, one of the Xenoscope books, because um, every time I've seen them, I've only seen the covers of them, and I've always felt deep down inside that they looked a little bit um, like they were really, really meant for little boys who were very horny or men that are very horny or just like if you want to uh, uh, subject a woman to looking like very slutty, uh, <laughs> which, you know, like if that's what you're into, that's what you like. Yeah, as long as you respect women, I guess that's fine. <laughs> but but I've always seen them and I've never liked them. And I think they have like a Robin Hood series, which actually they, they reference Robin in this one, but they have a Robin Hood series and she's a woman in that one as well. And um, they have like Alice in Wonderland and stuff. So like I, this is a thing. It's popular amongst people. I don't know who I've never met anyone who actually reads these or anything, but uh, they're there. And uh, oh, why did I start reading this? Um, so for Christmas, I think I mentioned this before, but for Christmas, I got a subscription box uh, thing uh, that um, Adam gave me. Adam's my boyfriend. Um, he he got me three months of a subscription to a service called comic bento. And what they do is they send you like four or five uh, paperbacks or trades. They don't have to be paperbacks, but they send trades, um, different trades from different publishers. And sometimes it's like Marvel, DC, Xenoscope image. Like they do different kinds of publishers or every kind of publisher, I guess. 
uh, but they try to make it so that they're sending you something that you may not have read necessarily. So something that may be a little bit less mainstream or less popular. And uh, so this was one of the books that was in there. And um, I like reading comics. So I was like, you know what? It was a gift. It was free. It came randomly and I will give it a shot and I'm giving it a shot and I can almost guarantee I will not continue the series after I finish this trade um, because it's just like, I don't know. It's not my style. Like the adventure of it and everything is is cool. Like the writing, I guess the story is cool, but the art and 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 what they do with it just I don't know. Like, and I know that Marvel and DC do that as well with their women, but I don't, I don't know. It's just like, because I think it's like obviously sub, uh, subjecting women or um, objectifying women. That's the word I'm trying to look for. Uh, it, it just seems a little bit uh, less. Um, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. I've had wine, <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to continue it. And then maybe I'll update you guys on how I felt in the end. But as of right now, I'm just like, enjoying what I'm reading and trying to ignore the fact that every single woman who has a line looks exactly the same. Um, and that's how I feel about that book. Uh, overall, I'd give it like a, I don't know, a three out of five just because of the art. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, let's, let's go on to some news and stuff. Um, I was planning on doing an episode on Black Panther, um, but uh, scheduling with the person that I wanted to be on has been a little rough. So maybe we'll get one, maybe we won't. But as of right now, there is no uh, Black Panther uh, review, but I will just say a few things about it because I wanted to talk about it. Um, one, I think that this film, and I think everyone knows, but I think that this film is very important to have out there. I think it was... Uh, really, really well made. Um, my favorite thing about the film was the women in the film. I felt like they were all fleshed out and not just the women. I think the men were very fleshed out as well. Like each character to me had its very own story or their very own story. And they all uh, grew as characters in, in, in this movie, like every single person. And I thought that it was just amazing. And I, I just, I loved the women so much in this film. And it was like, the best writing of female characters that the MCU has ever had. And uh, like Ryan Coogler, I think that's his name, the director, like he did a fantastic job on this film. Um, the music was great. I loved how seamless the transition was when they were doing stuff on Wakanda and it was very tribal music. And then when they went to like an urban city or something it seamlessly flowed into more of a, like a hip-hop and a rap type of music um and so yeah the the music in this in this in this movie is really really good i i have a few of the songs um downloaded because i love them um through apple music okay don't come at me i'm not doing napster shit <laughs> uh, but anyway love the movie i can't recommend it enough Hopefully I'll get someone, um, not someone, but the specific person I'm thinking of uh, to to be able to work it out schedule wise to be on here because I'd love to talk uh, on the show about it. But um, I was invited on to Wine and Comics um, to talk about it with them. So that is uh, Topher Harless and Megan Fitzmartin, and they've both been on the show before. And so they invited me to be on their show to to review Black Panther and we had like pretty much nothing but great things to say. So if you really want to uh get a piece of what I thought about the film, 
um, go check out Wine and Comics. I don't know if the episode's out yet, but um, when it is out, I'll let you all know on social media, and uh, and then you can go check it out. Um, but they did do a live show on Facebook, so if you follow their Facebook page, Wine and Comics, uh, you might be able to check it out there if you want to watch us uh, talk about it. But yeah, so um, that's that. There's some news. Um, I think some people are a little triggered by this next piece of news. Uh, basically, Marvel is kind of doing another relaunch, I guess, or another reset of their universe. Now, they're calling it Fresh Start, and that's interesting. But um, I find it interesting that they're doing this because uh, I, as a lot of you may know, um, only started really reading comic books about like five or six years ago. And I think I started reading it right after one of their relaunches. I think it was called like Marvel Now or something. I don't know what they called it. Um, And I didn't even realize that they were doing these like relaunches all along because to me, the stories just kept going. Like I know uh, Secret War was supposed to be a kind of a relaunch. And I know that they like shifted teams and did all this stuff, but I didn't feel like the characters really changed um, from what I had been reading at the time anyway. Um, so like, I was just like, okay, cool. Like we're getting a, a bit of character shifts, whatever. Uh, but then I guess they also kind of um, replaced, you know, Thor with Jane Foster and and they did stuff like that, which I was like, okay, cool. And like, again, since I was kind of newer at the time, it didn't really affect me, but then they had, you know, civil war two and they, and they had legacy, uh, which didn't really do anything. Like it did this really cool thing where, they had some of the characters, some legacy characters go back in time and meet their, their, I guess, mentors or whoever they took the, um, the mantle from, uh, as their characters are now like all new Wolverine, uh, Laura Kinney went back in time and talked to, to Logan at some point and, um, Ironheart like went to the future and she saw, uh, Tony Stark in the future. And, and so like you had, you had those kinds of stories, um, which I thought were really cool, but then coming out of them, like nothing really changed at all. Uh, They just like went back to legacy numbering and that was it really. (laughs) I think that they were trying to make the the characters go through some serious story arcs though. Uh, But I don't think that it really like changed anything. And I think that's what a lot of people complained about. Um, uh, But now they're doing this new Marvel fresh start, which is interesting because it, they're they're acting like this is really going to change stuff, but then it seems like they're kind of going back to old characters in their original alter egos. So I don't know. I don't really don't know, but it seems like a lot of writers and, and creative teams are switching it up on what we have come to know. Like Avengers is going to be taken over. Um, oh, I'm going to mess up his name. Jason Aaron, I think is his name, but he's writing Thor, I think. Uh, no, not Thor. Um, he is writing something else oh my god why can't i think of the name he he whatever <laughs> so, um, you have him i think he is writing thor i should do research but i don't um but you have him he's gonna be writing the avengers uh black panther's coming or out i think it's black panther anyway venom is gonna be coming out and they like talked about that one being as one of the launch titles which is like okay weird but um one of the cool things that they just announced was that uh captain america is getting a new uh team as well and the writer is going to be tanahisi coates which is the writer for black panther and that is interesting 
um, one of the things he said was something along the lines of like, I never thought that I could like write a good Captain America story. So what's a better thing than to make myself write a good Captain America or like challenge myself to do that. So like he's going to be taking over Captain America, um, Steve Rogers, Captain America, because uh, Sam Wilson's not going back to that character, I don't believe. But um, he's taking over that title, which is quite interesting. And then you have the artist uh, is Lionel Yu. Um, and I believe he's done um, a bunch of like uh, Wolverine stuff. And um, I don't know exactly what else. I know I read a list earlier, um, but I'm on wine. I'm going to keep using that excuse because it's the easiest one to use. <laughs> but anyway, I don't I'm not like excited about it. I'm not disappointed with it or anything, because to me, like, it's like, OK, I feel like it's going to be the same as always. Like, hopefully they they give us like what people are gonna be calling better stories like I, I at this moment like i wouldn't say i'm blown away by anything that anyone's doing really but uh i am being entertained by it and that's why i read the books so that's nice but uh yeah like the only thing that's really blowing me away right now is uh doomsday clock and uh that's because of the story they're telling and the characters they introduced and stuff so that i really like and that's dc um Oh, actually, you guys, what is what's blowing me away is a boombox uh, uh, title called Fence. And this is by C.S. Paquette. I think that's her name. Um, and uh, Johanna the Mad is the artist on it. They've created this and I've already talked about one issue. But I love this book so, so much. I They just released uh, issue number four. And every single issue, I just fall more and more in love with the series. And oh, I hope it lasts forever. <laughs> anyway, uh, enough about Marvel Fresh Start. Um, what do you guys think about it, though? Like I, like I said, I don't care really. <laughs> like I just hope that it, it doesn't get rid of characters that I love, which I don't think that they would. But um, I don't know. I don't really know until it happens, until we see what it is. Like, I don't know. Anyway, the last story that I want to talk about is um, another set of Marvel news, uh, which is Venomized. So this is a, a mini series that's going to be coming out, and uh, it's following the Poison X run of X-Men Blue and Venom. Uh, and it's going to be a weekly miniseries. Um, so basically, this is Cullen Bunn and Ivan Coelho. They are going to be um, they're going to continue to collaborate on this story. Um, so I've been keeping up with the poisons because of X-Men. <laughs> and so that's why I went back a while ago to read the Edge of Venomverse and then Venomverse. Um, anyway, right now they're in space with Venom fighting the poisons uh, because Cyclops' dad, Cosera, was attacked. And Cyclops is like very P-I-S-E-D, Pist. I'm sorry, you guys. That's a sweetest thing reference. It's a really fun movie. You should you should go check it out. <laughs> but anyway, the story about this is like so apparently the poisons are coming to New York to like wreak their havoc on Earth's heroes. They have like a very complicated plan of making the superpowered people on Earth bond with a symbiote and then they're going to like kill and become the host to gain their abilities. Basically the poisons are being like cocky ass power hungry little shits <laughs> and um cullen bunn has stated that there will be several characters in the comics 
that will not come out unscathed or unchanged by this event. So basically, there are going to be a lot of scathed and changed characters coming out of this event. And I feel like the creators are constantly saying things like that, but we don't really see characters change all that much. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's, you know, how I feel. And this whole like fresh start situation, it's like, is his statement true (laughs) or is he just talking about changes that will be made clear and fresh start? Like, I don't know. Like, will it be? I don't know. Um, But I've enjoyed the story so far, but I worry about how much longer they're going to drag it out and like how much longer they can maintain the interest. I may actually be one of the only ones interested, though. Um, I have seen a preview of the first issue, and it looks like shit hits the fan real fast. So I'm intrigued, definitely intrigued by by this story. Um, I'm I wouldn't say I'm excited, but I am intrigued. Uh, and I I don't know what. How do you guys all feel about this story arc? Are any of you following it? Like, does any of it interest you? interest you do you care at all about it because i have not heard a single person talk about it other than myself so there you have it i guess um all right so that's it that's it i'm i'm done talking i've talked for almost half an hour now um or it's been half an hour you guys oh my god uh Anyway, so let's get on to the interview. So this week I had Darren Herzig back on. He came on to talk about uh, Jean Grey a few episodes ago. And um, with Phoenix Resurrection happening, um, it happened, it ended earlier this month, I believe. And so I wanted to have him on to talk about that. So in this interview, we go over, uh, you know, what led up to her resurrection, her whole resurrection. And then we go into a little bit of X-Men Red, which is the first issue that came out uh, after Resurrection. And that title is uh, with um, Tom Taylor as the writer. And y'all know I love me some Tom Taylor. But anyway, we get into all of that in this interview. It was so much fun. Uh, and at the top of it, we get to to know a little bit more about Darren and what he loves, uh, which I had a ton of fun doing this. I hope you guys have fun listening to it. But anyway, here is Darren Herzig and I talking about Phoenix Resurrection. All right. So we are sitting here with uh, Darren Herzig. I always want to say the bad way. Oh, like like Rat Lady Erica. Her, Rat Lady her Erica. Uh, yeah. If you don't listen to the Awkward Human Survival Guide, go listen to that and maybe you'll find an episode where you know where that comes from. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like every episode but the most recent one that I was on. Mm, yeah. But yeah, 200, probably. the big 200. Um, but anyway, Darren, thank you for being here. So this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, the event that just happened like a month ago. <laughs> yes. Uh, Phoenix Resurrection. Um which was actually pretty convenient because I think that you had just yes. done this show talking about Jean Grey. And then like a week or two later, they announced that they were bringing her back. Was it a week? I think it was maybe like two months. But was e- it? Even it so, felt like, like so close. It, I remember when I saw the announcement, I'm like, oh, what a coincidence that yeah, I, yeah. I was just going on a massive tirade about this. <laughs> so it was it was a good coincidence. It, and it uh, gives the opportunity for an excellent follow-up yeah yeah so um but before we get into that i just want to ask you what are yes. you what are you into today now so i, I mean many things mm-hmm. uh but specifically i i got bit if you will by I, every so often i get bit by the vampire <laughs> sort of bug uh-huh. um you know y- years ago i saw this great movie called um 
uh, one of my favorite movies, uh, Blood for Dracula or Andy Warhol's Dracula, which is absolutely amazing. And I always wanted to make, this was before I went into film school, and I always wanted to make, I always said my, my thesis is going to be some Dracula movie. Anyhow, that waned. And then, like, before that, like, years ago in high school when Interview with a Vampire came out, I got mm-hmm. kind of into it. Tried reading Vampire Lestat, got about 50 pages in and put it down. Now, however. Was that the one you started with? That's because I'd seen the movie. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to read. You know. <laughs> well, then, actually, I put that down, but then I picked up the fifth book in the series. I think it's the fifth, Memnock the Devil, uh-huh. which was great because Lestat does eat period blood. And he does drink the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. <laughs> what? Yes, yes. It's, How does he? Because he travels through time. So Mem- <laughs> Memnock the devil like brings him through time and shows him the truth about like creation uh-huh. and like how vampires were created, but also just how like the world was created. Right. And so one of the things is like, yeah, he takes him back to see the crucifixion and then he like goes up and drinks Jesus's blood. Does he just like lap it up from his leg or something? Or no, like, I think what? I I want to say he drinks from the side wound. Oh, wow. I think. Now, the period blood he drinks is from a televangelist daughter. So it's very, there's this whole religious undertone. (laughs) It's very good. Anne Rice is weird. Anne Rice, well, this is what I'm obsessed with now. (laughs) I have recently gotten back into it. Uh So I watched uh, Interview with a Vampire again and just forgot how beautifully terrible and wonderful (laughs) it was. And I was like, I got to read Vampire Lestat now. So I'm like now halfway through it. Okay. And I think it kind of stemmed from a conversation. I was talking to a buddy of mine who's like really into D&D and whatnot. And mm-hmm. I like played a, a like a game because sometimes every so often I have like this desire to like do that. Like I, I create, I play this like dumb character that was like a cleric that's a worshiper of Dionysus that wears like thigh high leather boots and has a whip <laughs> named Lover. You know, so he named was named Lover. Named Lover. <laughs> okay. He was pissed off at me because I think he wanted to play for serious. And I just. <laughs> no, you don't get I that. I did with not want to play. Like, come on. <laughs> How can I? I can't take it seriously. If I'm going to play something like that, I got to, you know, uh-huh. bring, bring my personality to yeah. it. But then I were like remembered in high school when I was legit into this stuff in a non ironic way. I remembered Vampire the Masquerade, the role playing mm-hmm. game, which is just like the most gothy, gross. And it turned into, there's like a LARP version of it too. And I was just like, I did, like went, like I took a stroll through memory lane and started reading it and like reading through all that material and like mm-hmm. so as gross and wonderful as I remember. But it reminded me how much it was like ripped off of Anne Rice. And that's what kind of like got me back into the Anne Rice. It's just so decadent and gross. Like, <laughs> and it's like, especially compared, because I went through my Twilight phase as well. Really? I saw the first movie. There was only two of us in the theater was blown away by how powerful it was. So good. <laughs> I mean, I was so good. And then I saw New Moon, excellent film. <laughs> and then my friend told me how the books continued and like about, um, spoiler alert, like how they have to eat the baby out of her stomach and, and they named the kid Renesmee and all this stuff. And I'm like, it didn't spoil it for me. It just made oh, so me Also, you'd like, only seen the movies. You hadn't I'd only the seen the first okay. two. And so I was like, well, now I got to read Eclipse <laughs> and Breaking uh, Breaking Dawn. Uh-huh. And so I did at the same time. Like, so I was reading Rise and Fall of the Third Reich as well, which is... <laughs> <laughs> what a beautiful pairing. It's a 1,500 page book. So I would read that and then I'd read Eclipse and then I would go back. Like, you know, just to like balance it out. So... <laughs> Because, uh-huh. you know, Rise and Fall is kind of heavy reading. Uh-huh. So, oh, so, um, yeah, so that's that was my Twilight phase. Um, the books, at least, like, I think I didn't read Twilight or New Moon. Uh-huh. Seen the movies. I've seen the whole franchise. But, like, I did read Eclipse and Breaking Dawn. And I will say the movies are not as good as Stephanie Meyer's beautiful <laughs> books. But, yeah, it's just, like, it's just, like, funny how, like, that's vampires now. Or, like, I was really into Vampire Diaries, like, back 
first three seasons that right. kind of like fell off. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it's just like I, I, I long for that '90s. Like, although I guess the Vampire Chronicles started in the late '70s. The Anne Rice books, did they? They did. Oh, I think wow. I think Interview with Vampire is '78, and Lestat is like '84. Oh, wow, but I had forgot. It's kind of modern for me it does and to me i always think of it as being like super 90s yeah and i so like i long for that 90s version of the the long-haired pretty boy like well you know they're making it a tv show right i think i read that i forgot and you just reminded me but like that is i don't know what network it's coming out on or what it might even be netflix i could be wrong about that but yeah yeah oh i hope so but i think they're trying to get like brian not brian singer what's the i doubt it brian fuller Oh, yeah. You know, to, I think I read that. Yeah, yeah. That would totally make sense. I mean, I feel like he'd have the right sensibility. Yeah. Know? But um, I remember in high school, I read Interview with a Vampire because I loved the movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And What's I, not to love? I, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't get into it. But then like a couple of years ago, I picked it up and mm. I was like, well, let me just try. And I really, really like that I mean, book. It's good. It's so good. I mean, her writing this like little eight-year-old girl becoming a woman mm-hmm, and just like mm-hmm. always being an eight-year-old girl and how awkward that is. But then like Louis is like in love with her, but not. And it, it's just so weird. Have you read <laughs> have you read any of the others? No, that's the only one I've read. So in Lestat, he turns his dying mother into a vampire. And as soon as she turns into a vampire, they go through this like romp through Paris, like mm. sucking blood and He's kind of like teaching her how to be a vampire. But then he stops calling her mother and starts calling her by her real name and talks about how he's like turned on by her. (laughs) So just like an interview, like she covered, you know, grown men being in love with underage girls who are immortal. She covers incest in in uh, she covers incest in the next book. So she okay. She did goes you, there. Did you ever read her Sleeping Beauty? No, series? is it good? That's like all BDSM apparently, <sighs> and like just like really heavy on like ha- making Sleeping Beauty a slave and stuff. Oh, that <laughs> so is so good. I, I've never read them because I'm just like I don't care. But like just knowing that she has that. And then what you what? just described is just like, well, just, oh my God. Like her so inner crazy. life must be excellent. Yeah. And then she just started read, uh, writing like really like Christian books for a while too. Oh, she does have like kind of like a Christian bent it, to things. It's so weird. But well, I mean, yeah. it makes sense. Look, <laughs> Stephanie Myers is full on Mormon, right? So, yeah, you know, yeah. like I guess there's some, there is something very like baroquely Catholic about the uh interview series mm-hmm. and Anne Rice's writing. Everyone's in love with everyone. Yeah, it's, it's very gothic, very romantic. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. It's very, yeah, but I like, in a, to, to support my vampire habit, I've been watching other vampire stuff, like in watching, uh, you know, Interview with the Vampire wasn't enough. I had to dig back deeper. I think I watched Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Coppola movie. Mm, awesome. I read the book. I haven't seen the movie yet. So I saw the movie first and then read the book and was like pissed off. The book wasn't more like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'll like the movie better just because oh, like the, the book is good. like diary entries the whole time. Yeah. And just yeah. Like, I didn't I care. mean, Keanu Reeves alone as Jonathan Harker. <laughs> but Winona. I mean, Winona's great too, but like Ke- Keanu Reeves is so poorly cast in that it's like, it's very good. I recommend it. Okay. I mean, you'll enjoy it. I have it. it. I just oh, haven't yeah. watched it yet. Oh, bite the bullet. Yeah, just yeah, I it. will. Maybe tonight. <laughs> it's not even bullet biting. It's like bullet welcoming. Like, it's not It's not a sour pill. Let's mm-hmm. put it <laughs> I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. It's actually kind of very, like, artfully done. You'll see. You'll see. I don't want to say anything Yeah, else. no, I have trust in it and faith in it. I just, yeah, for whatever reason, I just haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I get but it. yeah, when I was a younger kid or teenager, I was super into vampires. Mm-hmm. Just, like, 
stupid yeah wanted to be a vampire wrote about being a vampire oh (laughs) you wrote about it oh yeah i used to like write stories about like you know an old like 500 year old vampire comes and like sweeps me off my feet and like (laughs) i mean you essentially wrote Anne rice fan fiction because that's kind of what happens basically yeah lestat and louis yeah (laughs) that's excellent yeah um did you uh oh did you were you into true blood I watched every single season. The first, like, one or two seasons were excellent. I agree. And then it just, like, took a nosedive. Yeah. And I stuck on because I felt like I committed my time to well, it. Well, you're stronger I than to. I am because after season four, the fairy, introducing the fairy thing uh-huh. in season four, I quit after that season. It was just, like, and how many, it went on. I think it was, like, six, six, six seven. Six, five or six seasons. I don't think it went on that. Maybe it was longer. I don't yeah. remember. I mean, it was on, all bad. Honestly, I think the first season was the best. The second season started off great. I think it had a terrible resolution but like i remember i i was late to the party i had actually gone to a, the panel at comic-con before mm. it was even released mm-hmm. and they were interviewing uh charlene harris and like the cast and i was like this sounds terrible <laughs> but my friend's cousin worked on it so i was like well maybe i should watch it so i did and i was like i was like hooked on it well, like, because it was so like grungy so and, trashy like, trashy like when and- he crawls out of the grave mm-hmm. and and fucks her right there in the uh-huh. graveyard <laughs> That's what I, that's just what I want out of TV. You yeah, know, like that's yeah, yeah. so good. Yeah. And yeah, the whole like the trash, like it was right. It's like it kind of hit that like Anne Ricean. Cause in a way, like some of that stuff is pretty ripping off Anne Rice too, mm-hmm. like the sexier vampire. Although, of course, she doesn't have them come out with true blood and you know, come out right. and live live amongst us. But like that whole you know, I I just am always happy when vampire literature goes the direction of the Anne Rice. Uh, Charlene Harris versus the Stephanie Meyer sort of like right. chaste Mormon vampires. Although I did like it. So what am I saying? <laughs> yeah. And maybe it's a trope of that genre because then Jacob imprints on a, on a baby and falls in love with a baby. So like maybe like immortal creatures just fall, like they don't know familial bonds. There's no such thing as incest or like underage. Sex. Yeah. yeah. Harvey Weinstein's but, a vampire. But who? Too, Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Oh, God. Too soon, too soon. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Oh, no, yeah. I, I, I had to put a, a, a warning trigger, or trigger warning. <laughs> oh, did you really? In your episode, I'm going to do it again. Ah, uh, well. <laughs> you, you talked know. about a, a, a dead fetus being one of your... I asked you if you had a pet. Right. If you were a superhero and had a pet, you were like, Mine it would, would be a, be a fe- fetus. A, fe- a talking fetus. fetus. I think I remember that. <laughs> yeah, you never know what you're uh, going to get when I'm you on. D- you don't. You don't. But, okay, that's cool. Um, vampires. Mm. That's a that's a good one to get back into. Did you, is that what you expected to hear? No, no. not at all. <laughs> I never know what to expect from you because you're so, like, there are certain things, like, recently I found out that you didn't care for the shape mm-hmm. of water. Mm-hmm. And I was like really taken aback by that because i absolutely loved it sure so it's just it's interesting because i would feel like a woman fucking a a, a lizard a f- a fish creature, fish creature yeah. would be right up your alley <laughs> it would if it were more graphic <laughs> i can see that I can like see i'm that. very fickle i can be very fickle like i like a lot of things but i also don't like a lot of things uh-huh. it's like i it was shape of water was just more for me um I just, I felt like it was overly long. It looked good. It's fine, whatever. But like, I didn't, so many of the side characters I didn't care for. And I just, the way the villain was so poorly fleshed out and one dimensional, I thought was a missed opportunity. Mm. There were like, I like the, I still, I do like the musical number. 
mm. in it. <laughs> that that's kind of comes it. out of nowhere, and you're yeah. like, whoa, okay. Yeah, then I was like, oh, okay, maybe something's going to happen. <laughs> but, like, I know most people liked it. It's just I mean, only me and one other person I know, like, share the same opinion of which is, like, not liking it. So. Right. I mean, that's fine. It's fine. You know, everyone's uh, allowed their opinion. Amen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not mad at it. I was just surprised. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's get into this uh, Phoenix Resurrection. Yes. Um, when you heard about this, what was your, like, initial reaction to My it? initial reaction was, finally, now we don't have to deal with Teen Gene anymore. <laughs> I was, like, so excited. And I was like, well, how are they going to cancel her title? And then I had read, like, yeah, it's solicited up until a certain point, And uh-huh. then it's not on there. I'm like, oh, great. We'll get older Gene. But then I was thinking to myself, well, what are they going to do? Because, like, adult Cyclops is dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Um, yeah, and so now, the, so like if they get rid of the teen characters, there's no Cyclops whatsoever. It doesn't seem like they're going to resurrect him or anytime soon. Not that he needs to be around. Right. But, um, you know, I, I've never really liked the teen characters coming into into the present. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't get it. Like, it, they're not the, those are not the characters that made the book X-Men the, like, phenomenon that it was. Right. They got, can't, those characters were canceled. Right. Because they were kind of milquetoast. And then... It was only when they were brought back with the international cast that they got fleshed out and whatnot. Mm. So, like, I don't like, was anybody clamoring for, like, essentially, like, five white teenagers from the past, (laughs) you know, to, like, reclaim? No. Like, who, like, I don't know anybody who, like, is like, oh, my God, I'm just such a Cyclops fan. Okay, so um, that's an interesting one because with me, like, I just got into comic books a few years ago. Yeah. So I kind of um, know only – well, not only, but I I know I'm familiar with the original five characters because of their very first run that I was reading and still am. And then um, I know them as the time-displaced ones yeah. because I kind of picked it up after that. And so, like, I don't have a problem with them. I understand everyone's critique of, mm-hmm. of Cyclops being, like, dull and Mr. Dad and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I think that what they do with the teen one, um, maybe more recently than they did before, was that they kind of gave him a little bit of ownership over that personality. Mm. Because I feel like they, like, all the younger kids, like, he's on the champions team. Yeah. He might not be anymore. I don't remember. But anyway, uh, the younger kids always make fun of him because of how old he acts mm-hmm. and stuff. And, like, he kind of owns it a little bit more. And so I like that about him. Well, yeah. The t- see, that's a that's a chance to rewrite. But if you go back into Cyclops' history, right. he's not just, like, uh, stuck up, he, uh, like, stuffy. He's a flat-out asshole. And here's my proof. Well, after the love of his life dies, what does he do? He meets his her exact lookalike, mm-hmm. marries her. Has a kid with her, finds out that the original love of his life is still alive, abandons his <laughs> wife and the child without saying why, uh-huh. and goes off back to his original love. Now, yes, the wife turns out to be a clone and the goblin queen and whatnot. <laughs> but then, and then, so he just like abandons his wife and child to go for the original one. Right. And then once he's married to the original love of his life, he has a psychic affair with one of the former deadliest villains <laughs> who almost tried to kill uh, uh, Jean Grant and and helped was was uh, sort of complicit in driving Phoenix insane in uh-huh. the Dark Phoenix saga. Right. <laughs> you know, and not only that, whatever woman he ends up with makes their characters terrible because Emma Frost is another one. As you know, that was the, almost the character I wanted to talk about uh-huh. originally. When she was with him, all she cares about is Cyclops, Cyclops, Cyclops. Mm. This is like a woman who runs around in white leather corsets, <laughs> who's a sex therapist as well, and can have, do anything and likes to tease and all this stuff. And yet she's like 
like a 13 year old girl, mm-hmm. like abused girlfriend who's in love with Cyclops and stuff. Yeah. I just didn't ring true. Who is then driven so mad by his death that she becomes a villain again. Right. Yeah. And that's a little weird for me too. Um, just like reading her brand new. I don't, it's weird because even her character now is all about redeeming Cyclops and like fighting for Cyclops and everything like that. So it's like, even though I don't know her prior to that, it's mm. still weird that that's like her only motivation right now. It's so, especially if you like it, because like her her character is actually pretty interesting because she, she's introduced as that villain in the Hellfire Club arc. She gets theoretically killed by Phoenix, but she's not really killed. She's just in the coma for a second. Then she ends up found like starting her own rival training school, the Massachusetts Academy. Mm-hmm. And then when all those kids get murdered by some, uh, a group called the upstarts, she like goes into mourning because she deeply actually cares about the kids. And so um, her character is a lot more interesting in the sense that yes, she's this like villainous, but she does care about these, even if they're rival kids to the X-Men, she does care about them. And then ends up, you know, being in a coma again for a number of years and comes out of it and then teaches the Generation X kids. Um, and then you go into her past. Turns out she's like a drug addict and she was, oh, a, stri- she was a stripper at the Hellfire Club. But uh-huh. she was also a billionaire. Oh. That's, that, that's the X-Men for you. You know, when you have a passion, uh, you, just, <laughs> right. you just right. Right. do it. You just go, you just go whole you hog into it. Um, all right. So uh, this was actually an interesting uh, run to read because it was very confusing in the very beginning because the way the 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 series opens up and what happens prior to this is that young time displaced Jean Grey knows that the phoenix is coming back and she thinks that the phoenix is coming for her and so she's like meeting with all these different people who have either been possessed by the phoenix or um can help her like fight back or whatever and so that's like her whole arc and her in her issue leading up to the resurrection and we open up where these like kids are riding a bike and they come across this woman who's like bleeding from her head lying down on the floor and all of a sudden she gets up and then we see a woman who looks like Jean Grey appear Mm -hmm. and like then they go into like a floating coma yeah and I feel like that was never addressed as far as those kids like we never heard from them or like saw from them again oh the kids who dot who dot who see them and and like go into a coma right yeah no we don't and that was like a weird thing that they did but anyway it it, it opens up with like the x-men um gold team kind of like taking charge and like figuring out what's going on and so they like send everyone out to all these different areas that are getting these um readings of craziness and uh, we get, like, all these not real enemies coming mm-hmm. after them and fighting and stuff. Um, and then at, towards the end of this first issue, we see that uh, Jean Grey is in, like, a small town. She's, like, a waitress or something. Mm-hmm. And and at the end of the issue, she's like, oh, hey, like, she's getting picked up by Scott to go on a date. Yeah, yeah. What was your reaction to seeing well, that? Well, I mean, I knew that it was all a red herring. <laughs> I mean, I feel like the the the... the I had assumed that she was in some sort of Phoenix-induced fantasy Mm. at first. And, like, my, like, issue with the sort of series as a whole was that, like, it's I appreciate that it tried to go the opposite direction, try to, like, downplay her, go against uh, expectation, and, like, instead of having this big epic return, Mm -hmm. you know, it's more of a lower key, like, let's go investigate some aspects of her past as she sort of, like, slowly reawakens or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, what's going on. But, like, I could have seen that plot from a mile away like what was going on and i knew it wasn't the real scott right like i knew it was a red herring maybe because i saw the solicitations for uh solicitations for x-men red and i knew who the team was so i had mm. a but then i thought maybe there's a surprise or something mm-hmm. right that like maybe scott they'll be bringing 
both of them back at the same time. Yeah. But um, I, I had a feeling something was up. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't buying it. Yeah. And so, like, the whole series is kind of just like the X-Men all splitting up and, and going to these different places. And eventually they end up in Arizona. Yeah. Uh, where there's this, like, gigantic, what was it, like an egg or a dome or like something? Like a dome. <clears throat> a gigantic dome. Yeah, that they end up having to go in. And it turns out that's kind of like where uh, Jean Grey's little hometown situation is happening. And um, they have to, I guess they figure out that they need to, like, rescue her or something yeah. from from this, from the bird, from the phoenix. From the phoenix, yeah. Yeah. Um, what were your reactions to, like, this big giant egg and, well, I have and a lot of being thoughts. in Arizona? So the Arizona thing I knew from reading X-Men history, why that was significant. There's the famous scene, I think it's in the Dark Phoenix saga, where she tells Scott, you know, take off your visor. Right. And she uses her powerful phoenix powers to control his optic blast and that's like a, a tender moment before you know the mm-hmm. shit hits the fan and she destroys an entire planet and then dies uh spoiler alert. <laughs> uh but it's not really her it's a phoenix clone essentially but um where Jean was left off when she died was she was in an egg in the phoenix egg on the moon uh-huh uh and that's where grant morrison leaves her at the end of his run mm-hmm to be patched, you know, some like hundreds of years in the future and sort of essentially eliminate the entire timeline from history. But so she's there. And so the thought is that much like all the other uh, hosts of the Phoenix, she goes into something called the White Hot Room, where mm. she meets like a core of Phoenixes, of which she is a white Phoenix. And there's like tons of other ones. Like it's the, like a, or she's a, a white Phoenix of the crown or a gold Phoenix of the crown, something like that. She's like, to go deeper into the whole Phoenix lore and, you know, she meets some other characters who are like, oh, that person's a Phoenix host too, like um, Quentin Choir and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, interesting. Maybe they're playing off this whole egg thing because I really do feel like Grant Morrison set up an easy out if you wanted to bring Jean back that she hatches from the egg or something goes on with this egg. And they did uh, use that plot line in the second secret of uh, technically third Secret Wars crossover from a few years ago where Scott tries to like get this Phoenix egg and prematurely hatch it, but it goes awry. So when I saw that, I'm like, oh, that's a cute little nod, but it stopped being a nod. It just went off on its own track, which Mm -hmm. I get, but like what I think works so well about X-Men comics, especially in the past is how interconnected it is and how it sometimes would take seven years, 10 years for a story to build. And a lot of people complained about it, but when it finally did reach that climax, you had all these years of subplots brewing and subplots mm-hmm. brewing that when it happened, it was like epic and it was like felt like the stakes were so high. And I think that's what bugged me a little bit about this is that it was so small and the stakes just kind of felt, eh, okay, well, mm-hmm. we also know she's going to because they had like said there's going to be X-Men Red. We know how it's going to turn out. Right. And furthermore, we know she's not going to be Phoenix. So like it spoiled the ending for you, like it spoiled that for me. And so yeah. when I when I saw this egg, I'm like, oh, what's going to happen? The team's going to go in the egg. They're going to try and, like, save her from Phoenix and, you know, like, it just felt predictable to me. And it didn't, it didn't have that kind of, like, ep- like, this is a character, very beloved character, not just by me, but by many people <laughs> yeah. who's been gone longer than the first time she was dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, fir- when, the first time she came back was, like, kind of bullshit as well because uh, it was editorially mandated that she had to die after the Phoenix saga. And then they're like, no, we're bringing back the original X-Men and we can't have Dazzler in her spot. We have to have real Jean. So they just like found an out mm-hmm. that the real Phoenix had cloned her and put her in the ocean in a, essentially a cocoon. Right. Phoenix loves eggs and cocoons. I guess it's <laughs> a bird. Um, yeah. so, so that wasn't the most epic return either, but 
you know, it's interesting that like um, Chris Claremont, the the guy who wrote, uh, I'm sure listeners know who he is, but who wrote <laughs> X Men for 18 years, and then again a few years later, um, he was brought back to write a series called X Men: The End, and he also had Jean coming back, and her her return is this like she hatches from the egg, she comes back to like help save the world, mm-hmm. and has this like amazing sex scene with Wolverine. Oh, <laughs> it's like so like ugh. It just feels like cosmic and epic and like <laughs> befitting of a Jean Grey, you know. Uh-huh. And this just felt like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. That was that was. A, what was your reaction? Well, so like I said, I haven't because really you don't like have the same history. The, no, that no, I, have. I don't have the same history. I know the history, but I've I've never like lived the history. I guess yes. And and so like for me, uh, it all came back to 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 time displaced Jean Grey because of her mm. series that has been like. She's been fighting the Phoenix or trying to fight the Phoenix. And then you had like the ghost of Jean Grey in yes. the series come back and like try to like help her figure it out. And so at one point they like invade Emma Frost's mind. And like, yeah. it turns out that Emma has been like hoarding a piece of the Phoenix within her. Mm-hmm. And so they like try to take it out or something. And um, so like for me, it was kind of like a le- a story leading up to this whole sure. Phoenix res- resurrection thing. I didn't really think that they were going to bring original Jean Grey back because they have time displaced Jean Grey. Um, yeah, neither did I. And and so having the solicitation come out that they were going to do it and that, you know, then it was going to lead into X-Men Red and everything, my concern was like, well, what's going to happen to the young to Jean, Jean Grey? Oh, see, <laughs> what's going to happen to My response Jean? was finally, get rid of her. <laughs> and, uh, and it's kind of interesting um, to talk about, like, the ending of the of why the Phoenix was messing with young Jean and and... Like basically, the Phoenix was wanted to resurrect Jean Grey because the Phoenix feels like Jean Grey is like the perfect host for mm-hmm. for it, and um, it didn't want young Jean Grey at all. It just wanted to use her to kill her, and in order to resurrect the real, the Jean, real or, Jean Grey or adult Jean Grey. And so, and that's revealed in uh, her final issue and yes. the Jean Grey final issue. And uh, I felt that was really sad because I didn't know how it was going to end exactly uh, when I was reading through mm-hmm. it. And, you know, in the end, she's fine. She's just like regular Jean Grey right. again because uh, she basically resurrects herself. Yeah, well, she has Phoenix Resurrector. Yeah. So so she in the end is like, I'm not going to be like your pawn or whatever. Like, how dare you kill me? And yeah. just to bring back this Jean Grey, like I am still my own person or whatever. And so she basically like resurrects herself and she's all fine and dandy and everything. And then she like sees that OG Jean Grey is actually back as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so like all that leading up to that moment was kind of like, I don't know. I had mixed emotions about it because I feel like the way that they handle events now always seems like they start off looking very promising. Mm-hmm. And then they, the way they end it is always they like just, a little lackluster. I agree. 100%. <laughs> like with the whole uh, Inhumans versus X-Men thing. Oh, like yeah. it started off as this big epic battle. I like hated we hated the ending of it. I thought it, it was, was so, bad. so stupid. It was so bad. Because again, I think they're trying to do this whole thing where we're like, oh, we're promising this epic, but we're going to do this bait and switch. And it's really just mundane. Like Cyclops was dead all along and mm-hmm. Emma Frost has gone off the deep end, you know, like. Yeah. And, and in his- the end, like all it took was an exp- uh, like five minute explanation well, for them to sit down with each other and be like, oh, your mist is killing us. And, and we can try to like save some of the mist for you guys. And they're like, oh, OK. Yeah. it's And, and, and <laughs> I, I, I feel like that's how Phoenix Resurrection also kind of resolved. Like, oh, Phoenix is trying to convince Gene and then old man Logan goes in to like right. convince her. And I'm like, and the crazy thing too is um, when Jean died the last time, 
in a way, Wolverine contributed to her death because um, they're about to go into the heart of the sun mm-hmm. and they've lost their powers. Uh, so he kills her to save her from like having to like burn to death in the sun. Then of course the Phoenix resurrects her and then Magneto gives her a heart attack. But like, it was always implied that her, her, it was temporary. So there's that history of in a way, a Logan sort of killing her Mm -hmm. and to not even address that. And just to like, also like there's this whole, all the Wolverine gene shippers, you know, like that (laughs) story lets me go. I I do like it, but like it was interesting because it was dealt with so well. I keep on going back to Grant Morrison's run, which I think is the last time the X-Men were genuinely good. Um, uh, they there's a scene where they kiss and they're like, you know what? We've done this a billion times. We know it's not going to work. Mm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. And it's like, well, why, why keep beating this, this storyline, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I guess it's a little bit different now that it's old man Logan mm-hmm. versus, you know, Wolverine, sure. because at this point, maybe he can see her more of as a daughter because I feel like that's how he felt with the teen, uh, well, teen gene when she was on X-Men uncanny, I think. Right? Uh, extraordinary. Oh, extraordinary. Right. Uh, when they were together, like, I felt like that was more of a father-daughter Well, it would be pretty gross if it was something else, right? Right, because he's so old. But, uh, and so maybe they'll they'll do that with this, but then we still have, like, regular Wolverine coming back. Oh, he'll be back, and I'm sure he'll be back. I, I have well, a he's, few- like, coming back in the moment. He's back. Like, well, yeah, yeah, but they're, like, but showing like a, little yeah, right. snippets of his story throughout all it, of Marvel exactly. right now. And I feel like, I do feel like they're going to go in the direction of having, now that Scott's out of the way, mm-hmm. like, what's to stop them? Mm-hmm. And I mean, Oh, well, what did you feel? And I know you don't like Scott, but there well, was I, a, do, I do actually like Cyclops. Oh, you do. funny, because I actually think all this, all, making him this kind of, like, more morally gray kind of person, mm-hmm. I think that made the character a lot more interesting. Okay. Quite frankly, and, and I kind of liked his, like, Power Rangers look with the X visor. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Look. I never I like liked his one. relationship with with uh, Emma Frost, mm-hmm. except for you know, like when they were having their psychic affair, because I don't like what it did to really either character. But um, I do think like having him be this weird hybrid of Magneto and Xavier was an interesting direction, and I think. I actually think it was the uh, X-Men versus Inhumans and how that shook down ultimately or, or the death of Cyclops, whatever that series where he dies. I forget if it was in, was it in Inhumans versus X-Men or was it? It was a thing right before it. I think it was called Death of X. Right. Death of X. In Death of X, like, I feel like that just made his character seem completely villainous, mm. you know? And it's funny because uh, that's not really where it was going. It's like he was essentially using Magneto tactics to affect Xavier. Well, not really. He, he was essentially becoming Magneto by <laughs> separating into Utopia and whatnot. But it was at least more interesting. I've always kind of been irritated with the regression they've done with that character, like where he's clearly not, he wasn't the leader of the X-Men for so long. Mm-hmm. And Storm had become that part. And I, Storm, to me, is an infinitely better character than mm-hmm. Cyclops. Uh, and so it always bugged me that Storm got would keep on getting passed over for Cyclops. So I actually kind of like the separation of Extraordinary where Storm had her, you know, like Storm had her moment again, but now of course Kitty's in charge. And, yeah, uh, it was weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I get it. She's been there for so long. But just, like for, I mean, Storm to just be like, I'm kind of done being yeah. a leader for now. Why don't you? I'm still going to be on the team, but you lead. It's so <laughs> weird. And like, it's not, I, I see that as a, as a good, like a not a crazy progression for Kitty, but I dropped X-Men Gold. I just, it's like unreadable to me. Mm. <laughs> I don't, I, I've never liked Mark Guggenheim's uh, comic book stuff. I okay. think it's always pretty lackluster. Yeah. I, I, I'm not like 100% impressed by it. I don't mind it. I still read it every week. Um, I 
do enjoy X-Men Blue a bit more because I feel like yeah. they're doing interesting well, things. Well, I think with Colin the Bunn's a much better writer. Like I I just I liked his Uncanny X-Men better. I liked his Magneto solo run. Mm-hmm. I think even though they're the teen characters, I mm-hmm. think it's much more interesting being under Magneto's tutelage and all that stuff. So Yeah. Well, I what I what I find interesting is that they're really <coughs> playing with with the Beast character where, mm-hmm. you know, all his life he's been like this really science heavy guy Mm -hmm. and now he's messing with magic Mm -hmm. and he's seen the dark side of magic or whatever and so like he's he tries not to do it but he's still tempted by it Mm -hmm. um so i like that but uh what what i wanted to ask you was um so uh, towards the end of the phoenix resurrection she gets a moment where the phoenix kind of offers her um cyclops right and he's like, or it's like, you know, you can have Cyclops, let's be together or whatever. We have this power. And she discovers that she kind of has the power to do it herself, mm-hmm. I guess. But she decides not to resurrect him. What, like, did you feel like that was the right choice for her? I mean, I think it's a good direction for the character because so much of her character has been tied up with Scott that I right. think it's interesting. This isn't the first time, though. Cyclops has been dead before. Okay. He was killed. Uh, he was possessed by Apocalypse. Oh. And then died. Uh, and then so she was on her own for a while there too. Mm-hmm. And then he came back. Okay. But um, uh, so this is not the first time that that's happened, uh, especially where it left off, where essentially, you know, when she's trying to fix the timeline in the end of the Grant Morrison run, and, you know, she sees that Emma is like proposing to reopen the school. And originally Scott says no and everything goes to shit. But then she uses her Phoenix influence to say, you know, like, live, Scott, live, like, forget about me. Her last, her dying words were, uh, all I ever did was die on you, which mm-hmm. I think is, a, like, great. Like, that sums up their relationship. Like, let's get out of this whole thing. Uh-huh. So I think that's the right choice from a character. I think how it was handled in the comic book did not ring true from a character perspective. Mm. I feel like Gene would have wanted him. Like, I feel like she would have, out of, like, obligation, brought him back. Like, I, I just feel... Why would she be so callous? Like, if she could resurrect someone she cares about, uh-huh. why wouldn't she? Right. I felt it was a little bit weird, too. But I, I get her point where she's like, we can't keep doing this cycle over and over so again. So that she's just choosing to let him die? So like, she's choosing to let him stay dead. But I suppose if that's the case, she, the sacrifice is she has to be possessed by the phoenix again. Right. But, but, like, what's interesting is the last time she was possessed by the phoenix, or not possessed, like, it was more symbiotic than mm. in the past. Mm-hmm. And th- this is another, even if you go back even farther in time, when she finally confronts the Goblin Queen in X-Men Inferno in the 80s, and, like, she gets sucked into the Goblin Queen's dying mind, and in the end, their their memories merge and because uh, uh, Goblin Queen is given life. The only reason why that clone is successful is because a piece of the Phoenix energy resides in her. Mm. And so Jean takes the memories of Madeline Pryor and the Phoenix that died. So she kind of gets incorporated into this like hybrid personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not the first time she's accepted stuff from the Phoenix. Like the, the I guess the thing that I'm having most issue with is I've seen this story play out almost in the same way, mm. like or in a better way, in a more much more like epic way. And so it's like, okay, they're doing this whole resurrection of Jean again, but with like no like the twist is that she doesn't have Cyclops come back. Like, mm-hmm. oh, like okay, because <laughs> like the last time she had the Phoenix, it wasn't so bad. Okay. It was actually pretty good. Yeah, I I haven't gotten there yet, so I don't know. Oh, New X-Men is I highly recommend New X-Men. Okay. The the Graham Morrison run is phenomenal. All right. I think. Um yeah, so I think uh it'll be interesting to see how it goes forward. Now, you picked up X-Men Red. Uh, of course. And um I was surprised you said you enjoyed it. 
Yeah, uh, <laughs> I was surprised I enjoyed it. Uh-huh. Because when I saw what the team was, I was like, oh, I never liked it when Namor was on the, on the team. Right. Um, and it's like Nightcrawler, but like Nightcrawler is so close with Kitty and Colossus, and, oh, no, Colossus and, and Logan and, and Storm and is dating Rachel, mm-hmm. the daughter <laughs> of Jing- yeah. sort of a future. Yeah, no, daughter from a different timeline, uh-huh. I guess. Um and and it's just like okay, well, bring over Nightcrawler. And I don't really think Gene and Nightcrawler have really ever been ever depicted as being that close. Mm-hmm. I guess is a reason to bring him. Um, and then I don't really care about Gentle, the character Gentle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like X twenty three slash All New Wolverine, uh, but I've never gotten super into into that. I you know I don't read the series or mm-hmm. anything, so therefore I don't really know much about Honey Badger. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then of course Trinary, the new character, is whatever. Like I don't know who that character is. So right. like. I wasn't enthused with the lineup, mm-hmm. um, but I do like I did like the artist and um, the stuff I have read of Tom Taylor's I've liked. So I thought, oh, I'll give it a shot. Plus, mm-hmm. I like Gene. I feel like I should support this. Right. And I was pleasantly surprised. Like, in fact, the, I was starting to read it. And I'm like, eh, it's OK. And then as it was going on, I was like, oh, this is getting better and better. And I kind of like that she's trying to separate herself from what's going on with X-Men Gold and X-Men Blue. And mm-hmm. it's, it seems like there's a real reason for it to be out there. And she's actually seems to be going about things quite sensibly yeah i was actually surprised because i didn't know what kind of story they were going to tell with it and and having nightcrawler after reading the story having nightcrawler be kind of almost like her secondhand man Mm -hmm. in this team um makes a lot of sense with the story that it seems like they're trying to tell because essentially she's noticed that there's like a lot of injustice in the world it's um involving mutants you know people they're still like persecuting mutants for just being mutants and all this stuff and so she's going to like congress and and stuff to like basically fight back um in in i guess a legal way and like try to make her 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 place be heard and all that stuff her her voice be heard and so it's like you know interesting because x-men have always been kind of like political and and they're really like sticking with that right now with the x-men red team so i i was also like this is a weird team to put together because you have Laura Kinney, who doesn't really, I don't feel fit in that narrative mm-hmm, quite mm-hmm. as well. Um, and and you have Namor, who's always been just weird on teams, and and well, he feels more like a and he's half the time he's attacking the surface world, right? And like at odds with the world, not at peace with the world. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be interesting once they introduce him. I mean, so far we've only seen like two or three of the characters together. Um, so- well, the last time Namor was on an X Men team, he was essentially put there to be a potential spoiler between Scott and Emma. So I feel like Namor's function will be similarly to be a love mm. interest. I, I really feel like she's going to be a love interest for Jean. Mm-hmm. That that makes sense. That's where I see it heading. I, I can see that. I can see that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I do have high hopes. I love Tom Taylor. Mm-hmm. I think that, and that's actually one of the reasons why I was surprised you liked it because I feel like Tom Taylor is very it's a very emotional writer mm-hmm. um he he likes the sentiment uh in his writing and i wasn't sure how you were going to take that but mm. you liked it and so well I was old like, school x-men to... is like super sent- soap opera very really? like elevated oh my god like chris Cl- i mean that's what he's known for mm-hmm. like bringing the soap opera element into comic books mm-hmm. and really making it about that and that's what where his genius in in the in the 18 year run was was treating the characters like actual people. Mm-hmm. And apparently he even had it like mapped out in his head what they would wear, eat, drink. He oh, was wow. very specific about it and has been very vocal. He's like, these are not my X-Men anymore. Like, this is my, <laughs> not the, he even thinks of them as people that he knows. And like all the stories were always built out of their desires in a very character-oriented way. 
Um, and that's why I feel like it always built to these epic plots. And so I, I recognize some of that in the writing and that's mm. what I enjoyed. Also where he's kind of going with her is essentially where her character was poised to be before she was killed in Grant Morrison's run, because in Grant Morrison's run, it's, it's notable because that's when the X-Men finally reveal themselves. Like professor X wasn't known to be a mutant before then in mm. all the years. So he outs himself and starts creating these, um, X corporations and safe havens for mutants to sort of like say, this is who we are. And you know, like mutants are sort of essentially coming out to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, which is, I feel like she's picking up with this and, and um, taking that like integration strategy of, of like living in peace mm-hmm. uh, as a, a more to heart. And so he, after what happens in the, towards the end of new X-Men, he steps down and he says, I want Eugene to be the new headmistress of the school when the, when the term starts up again. And then of course she dies. So I feel like in a way she's all, she was groomed in that run to be the successor. And uh, you know, it's not like Kitty Pride's, you know, seems to really be pushing the Xavier agenda so much. <laughs> Whereas I feel like Jean is kind of picking up with that. Um, and even so with the reveal of the, who, who the villain is in the end, I thought was great. I've always liked, I mean, you may not have as much of a history with Cassandra Nova if you haven't Mm-mm. read the Grant Morrison run. Yeah. Cause no, he created I... her and introduced her character. Okay. Um, so I would actually highly recommend going back and rereading that to further enjoy X-Men Red. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I mean, you may know better, but I feel like, uh, it does, like you said, they're group, they groomed her to kind of do this and it, she's always been the closest to Xavier. I mean, they, they kind of like in later years kind of retcon. I mean, technically she's the first one that he recruited and worked with and, mm-hmm. and dealt with, um, and there is some crazy plot line from the late 90s where he was kind of in love with her, mm-hmm. but they've never covered that one uh-huh. <laughs> again. But yeah, and then there's an interesting point made in a in a in actually a later Claremont when he came back to the X-Men that like Xavier has some sort of like bias towards the telepath characters. Oh. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they are. Cl- I mean, Scott is like his adopted son and essentially Gene is like his adopted daughter, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, overall, how how do you feel about uh, the run that you read regarding the resurrection? Honestly, I think the resurrection was done pretty poorly and mm-hmm. felt like an editorial mandate and not an actual story. Uh-huh. Uh, I think, however, that the follow up is surprisingly better. Okay. Than the I think the run up. I, I didn't read. I read the first two issues of Teen Jean Grey uh-huh. and the last issue. So everything in between and all the prep, I just like skipped because mm-hmm. I can't. but um uh phoenix resurrection i thought was fine Mm -hmm. it and i felt like a little bit of like people were just acting out of character to get pieces on the board Mm -hmm. into place where they wanted them and that's why i was so shocked to like x-men red because it's like oh this feels so editorially driven but then okay i see what they're leading towards i wish they would have given tom taylor to write Phoenix Resurrection because I yeah. think Rosenberg. Oh, he would have. I feel like he would have slated. I think he would have done great. <laughs> like, because I, I think he clearly knows that character mm-hmm. and what what's appealing about the the Gene Grey character. Yeah, and uh, just like the the Rosenberg stuff was like wink, wink, nod, nod at history. Mm-hmm. But without, yeah, they even did the whole like, you, yeah, open your eyes, Cyclops, and and don't worry about your powers. Yeah, they did that. It was just it was just felt like rehash. Mm-hmm. And he's is he writing? He's writing something else. I I don't know what. I I. I think he's writing isn't he writing another x but mm, um, probably not i don't know i don't, I don't know why I, I know his name but i, I have a feeling they're writing. all going uh under some sort of a shift soon that the titles will well be rebooted uh, so apparently they just announced that they are rebooting again like everything <laughs> like, after making a big stink of like legacy going and... back to like original numbering yeah, yeah. 
I don't, and, and the, and I, it just feel like they don't really reboot anything. Like they're just, it just feels like they no, no, move no. the teams around a little bit, like on all. Of it's a Marvel. marketing and thing then, to get to spike sales with the number one. And then they just continue. Like it just, uh, it, it's. Well, it's that's so my dumb. problem with a lot of Marvel stuff in general. It feels super generic to me. Mm-hmm. Like the art feels generic. The stories feel generic. Um, the writing feels uh, editorially driven rather than uh, like writer driven. And mm-hmm. it's interesting. I feel like they're trying so hard to, uh, sync up with the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm-hmm. that they're kind of losing a lot of what made them interesting because I, I don't like a lot of the movies. Uh, the, uh, yeah, I don't like a lot of the movies. <laughs> I don't like a lot of the changes the movies made. I actually think the Fox X-Men movies are better than most of the MCU ones. But then again, they make tons of changes and have not done um, Phoenix well in the past. So I'm very right. curious to see how they'll do it now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but um, yeah, there's just like, I haven't loved this uh, resurrection relaunch of Gold and Blue. Mm-hmm. And red, I feel like it's really regressive. And well, they're about to change it up again. And I don't know if you know this about the blue team, but yes. the teens gonna get are, lost in space. They, yeah, they're in space currently, and I think they're about to have a big change up. Um, they are. Uh, they've already announced the new lineup. Oh, they did. Yes, which has two Wolverines on it essentially as well. What? Yeah. So the lineup for is Polaris, Magneto, um, Bloodstorm. Um, Jimmy Hudson, uh-huh. Ultimate Wolverine, and Dakin or Dakin, Son of Wolverine. Oh, that's weird. Which I love, Son of Wolverine. Did I? I loved him in um, All New X Men. I think uh-huh. that Tom Taylor did a really good job writing him. I mean, I've he's like bisexual. I yeah. love it. I like yeah. part of his power is to like seduce people. I think that's an interesting play on like the Wolverine. Now he's been dead. Dawkins has been dead too. Mm. Wolverine killed him at the end of um, Rick Remender's X-Force. Mm. Which if you haven't read that, I highly recommend <laughs> okay. Very good. Um, but yeah, so like, yeah, he's, I've always liked that character. And I've, I think, um, didn't he just go on some like weird rampage uh, against Iceman because yeah. he was like spurned? Yeah, it was so weird because he showed up early on the Iceman uh, run where they were very flirty with each other. Mm-hmm. But they were like, you know, like taking jabs at each other. But it was like very flirty. I really liked it. But then he came back and he was like evil and just wanted to kill everyone. And See, I was that's like, what this it, is like, weird. My problem with Marvel writing is they, they write to fit things into where they feel like they should be. And nothing. Mm-hmm. it just doesn't feel organic to me so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, for most of the stuff like I've dropped almost at, like I'm reading I don't even read I was reading blue at first but then like I really just don't like the teen characters for whatever reason <laughs> like and so I like Magneto a lot but mm-hmm. like it just I don't know wasn't doing it from the art I think it was the art that mm-hmm. killed me okay Um, and then I, I dropped gold because I just haven't been liking it I like I sort of keep tabs on what's going on so I've always liked the character of Rachel I think she's an interesting character and mm-hmm. I, I kind of like but again what they're doing feels like rehash with her um, so I'm really just reading X-Men Gold. I'm uh, sorry, X-Men Red. Uh, I do like Astonishing X-Men because I like, uh, I've always liked Phantom X. Okay. Um, and I like what's going on there. Are you reading Astonishing? Are you caught up? I, I'm one issue behind. Okay. I, I might... do know what's going on with Professor X though. In, okay. In Phantom X like took over his body. Which I think is interesting. Like at least like that book at least feels like something interesting is happening and it feels like it's epic in a way like it feels weird for me right now it's a bit uncomfortable but not in a bad way but i think that's what it's like you know and also the team i just happen to like more of the characters like Mm -hmm. psylocke is great i've always liked psylocke although this like i know she's been a british woman inside of an asian ninja's body for the longest time (laughs) but like whatever Uh, you can't you can't can't always get what you want like (laughs) 
don't know exactly what you're trying to say with that, but okay. Well, I've, I liked. <laughs> I've always liked her original incarnation better. Oh, uh, okay. The, she's so, the so Betty interesting because she, she was like frail, and then her character progressed to being more vicious and more like bloodthirsty into wearing like full body armor uh-huh. until eventually she was like body switched. Right. Okay. Because <laughs> why? So you want her to be regular, or not regular, but I mean, old. I just like, I like the aesthetics of hooded, armored mm, butterfly. Okay. At least they brought the butterfly effect back. But okay. um, it's just, just, come on. <laughs> why Why is she inside of like a Japanese woman's body? It, yeah, I don't think it's going to ever change. It's never going to, they because they actually killed, they burned her other body. <laughs> I didn't know they that. did the body switch. And they're like, no, we're, we're completely getting rid of it. Because her character became much more popular when they made her well, Japanese. Well, they made her so sexy. And so. Well, yeah, but that's but it does work as a progression because her character went from being this, like, puffy-sleeved, prim and proper, mm-hmm. you know, Captain Britain's little sister mm-hmm. to becoming this, like, ninja vixen. So, like, right. that makes sense. I get it. But I like her. I Phantom X I've always liked. I think that's one of the best. And, of course, that was created by Grant Morrison in the Grant Morrison New mm-hmm. X-Men run. Um, and she, he was flirting with Gene in that original run, too. I wish oh. they'd go somewhere with that. Um, Bishop, I don't care about. Gambit, I don't care about. Rogue, I love Rogue. Pisses me off that she's stuck in Avengers. Really? You know, yeah, I was like, <laughs> she's not an Avenger. She tried killing them on her first appearance. I, I, li- I like her on Avengers. It makes sense from a historical standpoint, but she's one of my favorite X-Men characters, and I just want her... F- what, what? Actually, one of the weird things that I'm just now figuring out is that for whatever reason okay so they got kitty leading x-men gold and she's kind of struggling through it like she can't seem to figure out how to handle the Mm -hmm. school she can't seem to figure out how to handle the team like and everyone keeps telling her like you're fine just just like be yourself and be be strong and you know like lead us or whatever but then you've got rogue on the avengers team who's also kind of like in the same situation where she's like keeps doubting herself even though everyone's like no we're looking to you to lead us we want you to lead us and she's just like i don't know i can't do it but i don't i'm like why is that like a thing with the mutants <laughs> because i feel like the writers have decided that's what makes an interesting character mm. and that's like why storm as being such an assured leader they're like that's not interesting yeah but that's a leader right and i guess the, the journey of getting there but this isn't the first time that rogue's been elite they when claremont first came back to the x-men in 2000 um, he made Rogue the leader and the whole plot was like I'm doubting myself and Wolverine was like no we trust you you're the boss so she's still going through that yes <laughs> okay. 18 years later wow you know and Kitty um, Kitty ever Kitty led Excalibur she's been a leader of a team before mm-hmm. she led Excalibur yes oh, at one point she, le- she didn't start by leading Excalibur uh-huh. but she eventually did end up okay, okay. leading Excalibur she's perfectly capable she's a genius mm-hmm. like she can do it like and she's been around for forever she knows all of them and yeah. they all seem to respect her. So what's her damage? You know? Yeah, like, it's really weird. It's I just weird. don't like the writing on her, frankly. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's why I gave up gold. Like, I just don't. I'm going to buy the wedding special. But like, oh, yeah. <laughs> then again, like, that's another rehash. Like, they've been over for so long. And Kitty has dated so many, like, Pete Wisdom from Excalibur. Much more interesting Were character. Were you a Rachel Kitty shipper? No. No? No. Okay. But I mean, <laughs> I, I didn't know that it was a thing, but I would be. I could be. <laughs> I yeah, love you know I love a lot Rachel. Of people and Rachel the... was a hound. She's into bondage. And she's like getting back into it now. Not like necessarily oh, becoming a hound, but like she's, she's got her the marks spikes, back yeah. and the, like the costume well, and everything. She always has the marks. She uses oh. her powers to oh, uh, because they're okay. genetically in her code now because mm. that was part of the hound bonding okay. process. Yes. All right. <laughs> the things I know. <laughs> 
Wow. Well, we we talked a lot, and um, thank you. Sure. <laughs> well, what happened the last time? Like, what do you expect? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was a good conversation. Um, so overall, I'm excited for X Men Red. I'm excited to see what they do. I love Tom Taylor. If you ever want to read any of his All New Wolverine stuff, I have like every single issue. Mm. Um, I think that he does emotional story arcs very, very well. I've cried reading his stuff. Really? Tons of time. Yes. Especially his his all-new Wolverine Laura stuff because she deals a lot with, like, losing Logan and losing that father figure. And they recently brought her mother back in, like, a weird oh. way. And, like... See, I you think I don't like that stuff. I, I like it. I prefer, I prefer character-driven stuff to stupid, like, rehash comic book Yeah, plots. I think that he's doing her a real justice right now, especially from, like, what she came from mm-hmm. and, like, the abuse and all that stuff that she went through. Like, they're, he's really doing really I have a confession. Though, I've only cried at a comic book twice. One what? was the death of Jean Grey in New X-Men by Grant Morrison because uh-huh. the way it's handled is done so well. And then uh, in All-Star Superman, also written by Grant Morrison when he's essentially dying of cancer, I was like, oh. it's good. Wow. I love- Dude, Speaking of Superman, have you read Superman Grounded? No. Oh, so what good. What is Superman Grounded? It's basically, I don't know exactly where in the timeline it fits, but he like had to decide that his uh, Kryptonian planet that was created or something mm-hmm. after it was destroyed, like had to die or something. Mm. And so he comes back to Earth and he's trying to like figure out who he is as a person. So he decides that he's going to walk across the world mm. and and like not fly or anything. And he's going to like meet with people like just like the Who's random the citizens. Is it Straczynski? Um, yes. Oh, this is old. Yeah, it's old. But um, I did I, read some of that. This was, you know, this was very controversial when it came out. Really? Because he also renounced his U.S. citizenship. Oh, and, uh, and wait, the, Superman did? All the right wingers were like, what? During, during that run? Oh, I don't even remember reading anything. Yeah. I'm not done with it yet. I'm on the second volume. I think it's a two volume thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you if if you want to read it, that's one that made me Well, cry. Straczynski's always an interesting writer, too. I liked his actually when when they brought Thor back a few years ago. He, he helmed that, and I thought it was much better than it is now. Yeah. Oh, so many books. But yeah, yeah not not many make me cry, but definitely Tom Taylor is good at that with all new Wolverine and then that that mm. of Superman. Mm. Anyway, we, we can go on forever. It's true. Uh, it's so, true. I could. Th- thank you again. Sure. For, thank for, you for having me. We're talking me. Phoenix Resurrection. Yay. Yay. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I really enjoyed it. I'm a few more sips into my wine at this point. I'm going to take a little drink, you guys. If you guys heard that, I apologize, and you're welcome. Okay, so, um, yeah, that was a really fun episode. I really enjoyed that one. Um, Thank you, Darren, for being on the show. As always, thank you, thank you, thank you to all my guests. Um, All right, so that's the end of the show, but I do have some recommendations for you guys before we leave. Um, Let me just pull them up real quick because I don't remember what they are because I'm I'm not going to say it again. All right. Here's okay. Here's my first recommendation. It's a video game and it is on PlayStation 4. I don't think it's on Xbox. So if you are an Xbox person or a PC person, I apologize. But this is a PlayStation 4 game. It may be on all the other stuff and I'm just dumb. Anyway, this game is called Persona 5. Now, this is not a new game. It came out last year, early last year, I believe. Or maybe like two years ago. I think it came out last year. Anyway, uh, I love this game. It's so it's an RPG. Um, it's a it's a turn based RPG, uh, and it's about these kids in high school who are basically taking people down. 
and so far they are taking the patriarchy down. <laughs> I am, I've been listening to a podcast where they say the patriarchy a lot, and so I've been saying it a lot. Anyway, um, they these kids uh go into this sort of like uh, alternate dimension where these evil people, these people who are doing really bad things in our world, uh, become like kings of their own palaces or whatever, and uh, so they go in and they try to like steal a a a precious tre- treasure from from these evil doers and this by stealing the treasure it's supposed to give these people a change of heart and they end up like confessing to all the sh- bad shit they do and i'll we'll go ahead and spoil the very first one because it's kind of like a tutorial uh um palace or whatever basically the first story is that there's this coach in a high school he coaches volleyball and i guess he was like an olympian at some point he was in the olympics and uh, so now he's teaching uh, volleyball, but he's like very abusive to all the kids who are there. And not only that, but he's actually sexually abusing some of the kids. And like all the kids know about this and the parents know and stuff like not necessarily all the students, but all his, you know, all his students know about it, but not all the students in the school. They've all heard rumors and stuff. And so you you pair up with another guy who's been affected by this and you and and a and a girl a a female character who's been affected by this and um they decide they're going to team up with you and your character to uh basically bring him down and it's it deals with some really serious stuff um and and it's really good because you get to like like I said take these people down and make them confess what they do and they get punished for it and stuff and that's good but it deals with some really heavy themes like at one point there's a girl who tries to commit suicide and stuff and like dealing with the repercussions of that and it's it's something that i've never really played before i've never like an an rpg a, a jrpg i've never really like played something like that before i have played the last of us and that's a very serious story as well uh really uh really really fucks with your emotions but um Anyway, I, I really love this game. Um, and yeah, so I'm recommending it for anyone who's thought about doing it but hasn't done so yet. And also there's an anime coming out soon about it. And I don't know if it's going to be about... I don't know if it's going to be the story that the game is playing out or if it's going to be something different. I don't know. But the anime is based on this series of characters. Anyway, the last thing that I'm going to... The second and last thing that I'm going to recommend is a book. And I listened to this book an audio because I um it was a biography-ish <laughs> type of book. It was Leah Remini's book. It's called Troublemaker, Surviving Hollywood and Scientology. And I like to read these books, not reading them. I like to listen to the audiobooks because I like to hear the author when it's this type of book. Uh, I like to hear it from their voice. I like I this year did Tiffany Haddish's book uh, called The Last Black Unicorn. Um, and I did uh, Felicia Day's as well, which is called You're Never Weird on the Internet. And I just love listening to them read their story. The next one I'm going to do is Jennifer um, Lewis. <laughs> anyway, um, Leah Remini's book, uh, like I said, it's called Troublemaker surviving Hollywood and Scientology is really intense. Like at first it's just like, it's a very entertaining book. It's very enjoyable. You hear her side of like growing up in Scientology and everything. And just like kind of how she used Scientology to better herself as a person and, and how she slowly 
as she became an adult and like got uh comfortable in her career as an actress and everything and got comfortable being in Scientology and moving her way up and everything like she slowly started seeing layers being peeled back of what was going on or at least what she perceived to be going on and she started asking questions and they did not like it and so she kind of chronicles what that experience was like in this book and it's the ending the last like quarter of the book gets really intense because it starts sounding almost like a crime thriller type of book like a mystery it's it it it's insane and i and i haven't seen the this the docu series that she put out on scientology i think she like won an emmy for it or something but i haven't seen that but i, I but i am going to watch it now uh but if this isn't what i want what i'm <clears throat> excuse me what i'm picturing in my head I want to see this played out in a movie like I really do because it gets so intense. But anyway, that's a book that I'm recommending and I do recommend listening to the audiobook because I just love her accent too. Like it's just so endearing. Um yeah, I think that's probably it for this episode. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of uh Interview with the Nerd. Um if I sounded crazy again, I apologize, <laughs> but it's my birthday soon, so I'm celebrating early by myself. I'm 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 okay, you guys. <laughs> no, no, I'm fine. Anyway, um, yeah. So let's get into some of the logistics. Uh, you can find every single episode on iTunes, on SoundCloud, I think, on Google Play, uh, basically anywhere you typically get your your podcasts. You can find this on. But you know that because you're listening to it, right? But <laughs> now you can send it to your friends, whoever they may be. But also we have a website. Uh, it's interviewwithanerd.com. Now every episode has a comments section on it. So if you want to talk about anything that I mentioned or that I gave my full opinion on, if you want to just say, Richard, you're dumb and this is why. Tell me why. Don't just say I'm dumb. Like, Tell me why I'm dumb. And, and, and then we can have a civilized conversation. Um, but, you know, don't be a troll, you guys. Don't just go around telling people they're dumb for no reason. Or if you have a reason, explain your reason, you know, like like verbalize what what it is you're feeling. <laughs> anyway, so you could go on the website. You could do that. Um, also, we have social media interview a nerd on Twitter. Uh, I that's, Honestly, I think that's the only thing we have on social media. But if you want to find me personally, I'm at Le Richard C on Twitter and Instagram. If you can find my Facebook great it's richard cardenas i don't know what the slash is but if you can find me congratulations a lot of people <laughs> really struggle to find me but uh yeah i love hearing from you guys and um do us a favor and rate and and comment and review and do all that stuff on itunes and on all the other platforms google play and all that um because it does help out the show. I know you hear it from every single podcast you listen to but it's true it does really help us out um yeah so so do that and you know what that's it for this episode thank you so much for listening once again thank you so much and uh we will see you next time remember to stay kind to one another stay stay kind to one another be lovely and be safe and we'll see you next time <laughs>